portion of God's word that we will focus our attention on this Ash Wednesday evening comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Let's pray. Chief of sinners, though I be, Jesus shed his blood for me. Died that I might live on high, lives that I might never die. As the branch is to the vine, I am his, and he is mine. Strengthen me, O gracious Lord, by your spirit and your word. When my wayward heart would stray, keep me in the narrow way. Grace and time of need supply, while I live and when I die. Amen. So you got up this morning, shut off your alarm, maybe more than once. Then you walked into the bathroom, brushed your teeth, went in the kitchen, poured some cereal, or maybe you cracked some eggs into a bowl and scrambled them up for breakfast. Then some of you hopped in the car and drove off to work. Others stayed home. You kept busy all day long, returning emails, sending text messages, making phone calls, reading a book, turning the pages. Then you either clicked with your mouse to to join us here at Mount Olive tonight or you hopped in the car and drove here. All day long you you used your hands for a lot of different things. And I, I bet for most of them you didn't think about it once. You need your hands. If you didn't have your hands, everything you did today would have been pretty difficult, right? It should be no surprise that if we were to take a look at the hands of the people involved in the passion of our Lord and Savior Jesus, we would see a lot of important lessons. This is the basis for our our Lenten series this year, Hands of the Passion. Tonight, though, we're not going to begin by looking at Peter's hands or Caiaphas' hands or Pontius Pilate's hands. We're not even going to look at Jesus' hands tonight. Tonight we focus on the hands of two fictional people, people who don't even exist. They're characters in a famous parable told by our Savior Jesus, a parable that has been taught on Ash Wednesday for a very, very long time. We look at the hands of this Pharisee and the hands of this tax collector. As we do, I I want you to make a connection between their hands and their hearts a connection between the actions of their hands and the attitudes of their hearts. And as you see, those two things 
I want you to see if you can apply the lessons you learned to your own hands and your own heart. The parable is set at the temple, as you just heard. There's two people, very different kinds of people, a Pharisee and a tax collector. We talk about Pharisees a lot. We talk about tax collectors a lot. Pharisees were the ones who were always wanting to stand on top of that moral mountain. They always wanted to have the moral high ground. There's a lot of people in our world today like that. People who want to make sure that they are morally superior. They will be very quick to point out everything that everyone else is doing wrong, especially on Twitter or Facebook. Very quick to to point out how you are wrong and they are right. That's what the Pharisees did. They were pious, upstanding, righteous, law-obeying people. And then you have this tax collector, a guy who was a known sinner. They both go to the temple to pray, and their prayers start the same way, with the same word, God. But they become very different from that point. The Pharisee prays, God, I thank you, and he could have stopped right there. It would have been a great prayer. God, I thank you. Amen. But he doesn't stop. He keeps going. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. And as he continues to pray, we very quickly see his prayer is not one of thanksgiving at all. He looks at God's laws. The seventh commandment, you shall not steal. Never stolen. Thank you, Lord, that I am not like the robbers, the people who break the seventh commandment. Looks at the sixth commandment. You shall not commit adultery. Lord, I thank you that I am not like all those adulterers, all those people lusting after others or or actually having sexual relationships outside of marriage. I thank you that I'm not like that, Lord. This guy was convinced that he had obeyed God's laws. (laughs) Actually, more than that. He was convinced that he had done more than God's laws even asked. He proves that as he goes on. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. You see, in his law, God had commanded the Jewish people to fast once a year. Once a year. And here is the Pharisee with the moral high ground. Every time they fast once, I fast over a hundred times. And then they fast once, and I fast a hundred more times. And they fast once, and there I am, twice a week, 104 times a year, over and over again. Look at, look at me. And I give a tenth of all I get, not all I earned. It doesn't say all I earned. God did command in the Old Testament that his people would tithe, that they would give 10% of their earnings. That's not what this guy does. Anything that comes into his possession, whether it's been tithes done already or not, he gives 10% more. Grandma gives you 100 bucks for your birthday, 10% goes back to God. Even though grandma already gave her 10% to God, he's given 10% on top of grandma's 10%. 
10% of everything I get. This guy thought he had gone above and beyond. I don't care if he's praying this prayer in the parable with his hands folded or with his hands up in the air. He's giving himself a pat on the back. That's what he's doing. Luke doesn't give us any insight into the attitude of the Pharisee's heart. So it's all speculation. But what do you think? Do you think he's actually so arrogant that he just wants everyone to know how great he is? It's possible. There are people like that. People who are so arrogant, they just want everyone to know how great they are. I think there's another possibility, don't you? You think maybe there's some uncertainty in his heart? He thinks he's doing pretty good, but maybe he's trying to convince himself. Maybe he's trying to convince himself by comparing himself to others that he actually has measured up and that he actually is good enough, that he actually is earning God's favor. If you haven't picked up on it by now, Ash Wednesday is all about coming to grips with the reality of our sin. It's about acknowledging who we are and what we really are like. That we have no chance when it comes to obeying our God. That we are not able to live up to his holy standards. We took one look into the mirror of his law and we see failure after failure after failure. And then you see the, the tax collector. What does he do? God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Seven words, super short. He looks into the mirror of God's law like we've been doing for the beginning of this service. And what's he see? Failure after failure after failure. He knows his only hope is the promises of God. His only hope is the promised Messiah. His only hope is the one who the worship life at the temple pointed ahead to, the one who would come and sacrifice himself an atoning sacrifice, an at-one-ing sacrifice for the sins of the world. That's his only hope. And so he throws himself at the feet of a merciful God and he says, God, have mercy on me. It's his only hope. The mercy of God. Jesus says, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, the one who repented, the one who was brought to see the reality of his sin and didn't deny it, just acknowledged it and saw there was nothing he could do to save himself, threw himself at the feet of God and asked for mercy, trusting only God's promises to save can help me now. It's this man. Rather than the other who went home justified, declared not guilty before God, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Did you catch the audience for this parable? 
It's kind of a unique audience. Sometimes there's a crowd and we know who's in it and Jesus addresses the crowd and tells them a parable. Sometimes he tells parables to specific groups like the Pharisees or the tax collectors or his disciples. But here, he's speaking to a type of people who might be out there in the crowd. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. As you imagine the crowd that Jesus is speaking to and you, and, you, and you kind of pan over it, do you see anyone you recognize? Maybe it's that kid in your class who's always talking about how great she is. Or maybe it's that guy at work who, who wants to make sure that you and everybody else know that he knows how to do your job better than you and better than them. Maybe it's that family friend who sends the Christmas cards every year and seems to think that Christmas cards are an excuse to brag about the success of the family. Do you see anyone who looks like you? Maybe someone who looks like me? When you complain about the girl in school who always talks about how great she is, Are you not trying to get the moral high ground on her? How about when you complain about the guy at work who's always wanting to make sure everybody knows that he knows how things work better than you? Are you not trying to get the moral high ground on that person? Anytime we compare ourselves to someone else, be careful. Because you're probably trying to get yourself on top of that moral mountain too. It is so easy. It is so easy for you and for me to to look down on everyone for any reason. Even the people that we think are looking down on us, we, we flip it right around and try to figure out a way to look down on them. That's why we need to remember that there's not just two characters in this parable. There's a third one. It's the man telling the parable. The God who came to take your place. The God who was born and lived a perfect life and died a death he did not deserve. He did all that for you. He did all that for me. The eternal God who made himself nothing, being born a human, a little baby who grew up and every single day of his life perfectly obeyed his parents, perfectly loved his God, perfectly loved his neighbor. He did that for you who was willing to endure the hell that I deserve, the hell that you deserve, the death that we deserve. He did it all for us. It's because of Jesus' mercy. It's because of his mercy that he took your place and mine. His sinless life, he did that in your place. His death, he suffered it in, in your place, mine too. Also that you could have a place in heaven. It's because of his mercy 
that Jesus has given you and I the privilege of prayer. Well, we get to come before him and say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, thank you for everything you've done for me. Lord, please help me with this. Help me with that. And what does Jesus promise? That he will always be there, that he will always listen, that he will always hear our prayers, answer our prayers, and always will do what is best for us. It's because of his mercy that Jesus left us behind with the Lord's Supper so that we could hold his body in our hand and his blood and eat and drink the forgiveness of sins as you will in just a few short moments. It's because of his mercy that you get to walk out of here confident today. Even though you walked in here with guilt on your heart, even though you've spent, what, over a half an hour just coming to grips with the reality of your sin like I have, you get to walk out of here confident, positive, that your sins are forgiven, that God has had mercy on you, that you are in good hands. You're in God's hands. Amen.